Rocket, welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Roscoe and Rocket tee-off segment. How are you, buddy? I'm very good, thank you, Roscoe. Bit a little, little bit chilly this week. Got the fire cranked up. Uh, got the putter out ready because it's Masters week, my friend. It's Masters week. Absolutely it is, and someone I read uh, quoted the Masters Week as a little bit like uh, the Spring Carnival where all the golf people get excited, and we expect that, but it just brings everybody who uh, has a glimmer of interest in the game, this wonderful game, um, into the fore, and for me, my thoughts on that, it's a great thing because it gets people talking about golf, looking at golf, watching golf, Channel Nine's back on board with the golf coverage this year, so uh, that's a good thing, and uh, it's just a great time to be be a golfer, mate. So, I thought we should get together and continue our little series, which, by the way, continues to gain some very solid traction in the podcast download numbers. So, all credit to you because you know you're the uh, you're the you're the you're the science behind this segment, mate, and uh, appreciate that. <laughs> So let's let's keep this one brief tonight. Um, let's just do a full Masters rundown, and we'll go from there. We might we might loop back uh, after the cut, and just have a look at uh, you know who's hot and who's not, if there's any fires and misfires, and uh, and we'll wrap it up after that. So anyway, Masters preview. Let's go. What are we What are we uh, seeing early doors for the Masters this year, two thousand and nineteen? Oh, well, this, you know, the, the Masters is almost like the start of the season. And sometimes for me, it's it's the, you know, come the Sunday, it's almost like that's it. You know, I almost don't care about the rest of the year. So I've already been into Masters mode. So I've been recording every segment there is to, uh, known to man on Foxtel. So watching the uh, Golf Channel uh, broadcasts and reviews. I've been watching the On the Range, uh, and I think that starts in a couple of hours. So I'll, as soon as we finish here, I'll be back in front of the TV watching uh, On the Range again. Um, but talking about the players, eh, this year is going to be really, really interesting. Uh, everyone talking about the Rory, um, you know, finishing out the career slam. You know, the pressure around that. We've got the defending champion, Patrick Reed trying to find his swing. We've got the big cat, you know, big cat's back. So this is the first time in the Masters in a long time that he's actually had a functioning body. Uh, and the likes of, you know, a few Australians sort of poking around there with Leishman, um, Day, whether or not Day comes with a wheelchair or a cane or actually is able to walk the fairways, we're never going to be sure. Uh, and then Adam Scott. So it's going to be a very, very interesting week. You know, there's, I don't think there's any clear favourite. Uh, conditions are going to be interesting. So uh, there's forecast for some rain. They've already had some storms over there. Will the course dry out? Uh, how tough will it play? Um, I really, um, I really can't pick one particular player that is out and out, um, you know, I think is the favourite. The closest is going to be probably Rory, just based on his form in 2019. Uh, outside of that, you know, you could 
pretty much, you know, grab a handful of names and just throw them in the air and see where they land, really. It's always a great tournament for throwing up something different in terms of leaders uh, and, and, and winners. And, uh, you know, I guess maybe post-Tiger era has sort of proved that, but um, you, you, you're 100% right, you know. Anyone, anyone that's up there in that, you know, top bracket, upper echelon of golfers in the globe, you know, could stake a claim um, for favouritism. Rory, we've already spoken about him in previous podcasts. Um, you know, one Aussie that you that you left out there when you mentioned, uh, you know, the notables being Leash and Jason Day and Adam Scott, Cameron Smith. I know the one you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, you're going to say that one. <laughs> Cameron Smith, you know, two only two Masters played, two cuts made, you know, best finished, oh, just, just tied fifth in 2018. Yeah, just a lazy tied fifth, and and other other reasonable, you know, let's say more than reasonable performances in in other majors. You know, he fin- finished two T four in the you know two thousand fifteen uh, Open, sorry, at Chambers Bay. The the boy's got some game, and it wouldn't surprise me if he is the Aussie that's nudging on the door early doors. Let's hope, but um, let's hope the other guys go well as well. Absolutely, but. He could be, you know, he's, he's, he's got some game. He's he's, uh, he's good. Well, the thing that uh, the thing that really stands out for Cam Smith is he's able to move the ball around both ways. So that really helps there. And he's got a really solid game. All right, he's not flashy, but he can really grind out around. And... It's one of those things where, you know, people really pay attention to the Masters. And, you know, this is uh, this is probably one of the reasons where, you know, everyone talks about you know, they think that Dustin Johnson should, should win there every year because of his length, etc. And he's got a pretty solid short game. But the thing that really gets underplayed um, at Augusta is, I think, We'll call it 200 yards and in, the iron play. Because if you look at all of these holes, and re- anyone's listening to this, I really want people to pay attention to the holes, is that the shot from the fairway is counterintuitive to the shot that you have to hit into the green. And so, for example, if you think of the 11th hole, so if you're coming in from that fairway, the fairway is sloping right to left, so you've got this the ball above your feet hanging lie. The, the green is, is, is on an angle and you've got water left. So, you know, you, you, you're on a hook lie, but the best shot to hit into there is actually a cut to have it landing softly. So you've almost got to start it out over the, over the water or you just bail it right because you don't want to pull it left into, into, the, into the water. You know, same as 13, right? 13, the optimal shot is a high fade, but the fairway is just this massive hanging lie, ball really above your feet. So you've got a hanging lie and you've got to hit a cut shot. So you've got to hit against what a natural shot would be from that to, to, you know, so you've got to start it out, or if you even just hit a little soft draw, you've actually got to start it out over the water. So the whole course from the, from not from the tee, 
but it's from the the green the fairway to the green is the opposite on all holes. So the people that are the really good shot makers and the really um, imaginative ones, they're the ones that really sort of stand out when it comes out to the Masters right, right near the end. So out of those notable, you know, ones that we've mentioned, the the potential favourites, the who are the who are the best shot makers that you think, you know? So let's try and fine tune it down. We've said anyone can win, but let's talk about some of the shot makers that might be out of that uh, top top bracket. So Rory is definitely one of those. He's and this is goes back to you know I remember our conversation at the players where. I was quite impressed where he found a heap of shots that he hadn't had before. So those um, knockdown shots, three-quarter shots, hitting little cut shots, because his natural shot is a draw. So for him to find this little cut shot, I think it's almost like he's he's looked at it and he goes, I need to find a heap of other shots to just take to, to enable him to play freely at Augusta. And that was one of the things that he even talked about um, in one of his interviews um, uh, yesterday, I think it was about playing freely. So I think he's trying to he's he's working his way there. Um, another player who I think would I I think could potentially be contending uh, is uh, Frankie Molinari. Uh, the little little Italian is a sensational ball striker. Um, so I think he would be thereabouts. Justin Rose is a very good iron player, so he, you know, he's already contended there. Unlucky against Sergio. I'm trying to think of some others that are off the top of my head. That's why Spieth. Spieth is a pretty good iron player, can move them both ways. They're, the, they're probably the notables I'm thinking of from iron players. The only other person I could think of, and people probably giggle when I say this, is you know Kevin Kisner. Kevin Kisner as an iron player is. He's not very long, but as an iron player, he is an absolute striper. The only other person I could think about that is, I'm actually still quite surprised he's performed quite poorly there has been um, Henrik Stenson. Oh, I think Henrik Stenson is probably one of the greatest ball strikers to have ever played the game, and he really has not contended there whatsoever. I'm going to put Henrik Stenson in my smoky bracket. I'm going to put him as... as Maybe that guy that's got some game that could surprise everyone. I could be wrong, but I, I think uh, he might. He might, you know, just surprise a couple of people. He's got Fanny back on the bag this week. The Swedes, just mm. so she's back on the bag. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I, I get the feeling that he put brings her back on the bag just for the Masters. So he's normal caddy. Uh, at the Masters, he he has um, Fanny Swinnerson back on the bag for the Masters. I don't know why. Her experience there is quite valuable, but hmm, strange. I see that, um, just going back to Cam Smith, that, uh, you know, we're going to know how he performs after uh, day one for sure because he's paired up with um, McElroy and Ricky Fowler. It's a pretty big group. This might this might be the thing that he needs, you know. Big crowds, bit of pressure. Um, he might this might be the thing that gives him that little bit of laser focus because he's playing in a big group. You know, he wants to show the world what he's made of. You know, it's, we'll call it a little bit of that Aussie Aussie battler spirit, where he's like, 
I'm going to show you what I can do. And he will just, you know, the other guys might be a bit more flashy, but he's going to just grind it out. And to be honest, I would not be surprised if he was the, the, the best result going into the weekend from out of that group. Let's hope so. A couple of other interesting pairings, uh, just scrolling through some of the tee-off times. Imagine being part of this group. Maybe. <laughs> Charles Schwartzel, Charles Howe III, and Eddie Pepperell. <laughs> can, you, can you have three more juxtaposed personality types in one group of golf in the history? Probably not. Uh, it, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, you would, that'd be the, you know, the three, go, three different golfers walking to the bar joke, that one. Um, uh, it, I, I, I wish I had it. I might have to pull it up. Um, Eddie Pepperell sent out a tweet this afternoon um, regarding, obviously, his first Masters, and I, I, I had a bit of a chuckle. <laughs> uh, every, the, every week, the more and more I see and hear Eddie Pepperell, oh, I love this. I love this man even more. He, he just he just makes a tournament just that little bit better. Yes, he is. Who, who else we've got? Um, Sergio Garcia, Tony Finau, Henrik Stenson. Not a bad group there. Maybe Sergio and uh, Henrik can play off it, it, of each other and Henrik uh, might be a bit of a calming influence over El Nino. Um, who else? Uh, well, no, Sergio will have his advices out because this will just be, you know, he's back at Augusta, you know, where he's won, you know, it's Sevi's birthday. Um you know, so the the Sergio Salvation Tour really ramps up. Will probably really ramp up this week. Um, you certainly will not see him, you know, taking taking an axe to any bunkers or scuffing his feet across the greens at Augusta. Um, I, I would say that if he tried, if he did anything like that, oh God forbid, what they would do to him. I reckon they would ban him. As long as we never have to see another video as cringeworthy as the video that he put out last week with uh, Matt Kutcher. Anyway, we talked about that. Let's not go back there. Uh, the guy guaranteed to be leading after 72 holes is playing with Louis Oosthuizen and uh, Mark Leishman. That's Charlie Hoffman in that group. Um, Hoff. He's always the guy He's always the guy guaranteed to be leading at 72 holes and then fall away. Is he not? That's his claim to fame? Yeah, oh, missed, yeah he's... So I saw a stat today where they had from 2015 um, uh, total under par or score aggregate, um, and he is nine under, nine, 12. Oh, I can't remember. He's second behind um, Jordan Spieth for first round aggregate for the last four Masters for the first round. The Hoff. Oh, I love the Hoff. The Hoff. I love the Hoff. <laughs> now let's have a look at some more groupings here. Anyone else interesting? Oh, geez, who we got? I think Tiger had an interesting one. Who's, who's He's playing it? with um, Hao Tung Lee. Hao Tung Lee and, and John Ra. And yes, that that I think that will be quite interesting, actually. Another class group grouping here: Trevor Immelman, Martin Kamer, and Devin Bling. What, what's your read on Devin Bling, mate? I saw the story on Devin Bling today on Golf Channel, and that is a phenomenal story. He had, first of all, 
in the par three comp. He's had a hole in one today. He finished third. Um, so he's a 19-year-old kid. Um, so lives in some backwater town in California. And his mum was a massive supporter of him growing up. And unfortunately, she passed away about three, four years ago. Um, and it kind of sort of spurred him on. And it was this time last year, I think it was, and he'd said to his dad, um, I want to get into the Masters. Um, the only way we're going to do that is um, playing the US Amateur. If we can get to the final grouping of the US Amateur, that, that guarantees you a, a, a visit to... Um, the Masters, and he said, oh, I really like Pebble Beach, um, and so it, their family scrounged up the money to, to go there, so they've gone pre-qualified to get into the um, the stroke play stage of the US Amateur, he's um, made his way through there, and the first round he's beat a highly ranked player in the first round, and like, his confidence has gone from strength to strength, and um, I can't remember who he beat in the semi-finals, um, but you know, right there and then they showed this footage of his, his dad on the on the you know the green that they finished the hole on, and his dad just goes, you know, we did it. So, you know, even though he lost to uh, Victor Ovland in the in the final, you know, you know they had a dream and they achieved it. And you know, he looks like a you know quite a, a whippy young man, but. It'll be interesting to see how the, the young man plays, that's for sure. Fantastic story. Fantastic story. Rocket, once again, you have just demonstrated why you are the main cog driving this twosome here <laughs> because <laughs> the listeners don't know, but we'll tell you, none of this is planned or really prepared. And I'm just scrolling through the tee-off times and I pull out Devin Bling, who I, in fairness, had heard of but didn't know a lot about, and you just give us – Five minutes of the best Devon Bling rundown that anyone could deliver. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's uh, you know just keep keep that level of performance up. And the, the next time we might next year, you know, we might have to do this podcast from beside the uh, you know the sixteenth green or something like that, mate. You know, we might we might we might have to get a trip or something. Sixteenth green at Augusta or the sixteenth green at Peninsula. Either one couldn't be couldn't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> More likely the former. <laughs> yeah. So other some some other good uh, good groups, you know. The, the Frankie Molinari's buddied up with. Um, so we got the Italian, the Spaniard, and the Englishman. So that's a good group for those guys because they're all pretty familiar with each other. So wouldn't be surprised if there's a decent score posted amongst that crowd. Um, who else? Any other notables? Jason with Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau. Oh my goodness! Oh, really? We could be oh, in my for goodness. A, we, we could that be in for a six-hour round. Oh, that, oh, are you serious? Is that who's grouped together? Uh-huh. Oh, no. They're not even going to finish the telecast. So they tee off at 3.38 a.m. Uh, our time. That's what time I reckon they oh, might finish. I, I reckon, I, I, hopefully, the, uh, the Masters officials have put them in the very last group because... That is going to be painful. You have to, Dustin is going to lose it because he doesn't. Oh my goodness! That's it. Dustin's got no chance. He's got absolutely zero chance because he's playing with 
uh, a person who loves playing slow in Jason Day and has publicly admitted it, he's probably going to have some back injury. So there, there'll be some sort of injury timeout that he'll call on like the sixth hole and I don't lay, lay on the ground and some medics are going to come out and probably, I don't know, massage him or something. And then you've got the other person who thinks that he's, that he's Albert Einstein and probably wears 3D goggles under his hat or something like that and takes forever Oh, my goodness. The only thing that would make that group even better would be is if they put JB Holmes in there as well and took out Dustin. That would be the first eight-hour eight round of golf. So they're the third to last group. Um, they'll be followed by your favourite, lefty Phil, who's paired up with Rosie and Justin Thomas. Now, Justin Thomas, he hasn't really figured in any of our discussions about uh, potential winners, but... He's a he's solid as well, he, yeah, and that's a good group for him. Could be a good score posted amongst that lot. Rosie, anything could happen. You know, his form's not being great. Still getting used to the Honmars, but he's a he's a big game player. He's got he's big, a grinder. He's a game, grinder. Yeah, big game at big time for Justin, like him. Yeah, um, Justin Thomas. He's that. He's the one. He, so he's he falls in that category of, you know, the that. That 200 yards and in, and I think there's some, oh, it's Golf Channel again. I think they have him, they're pegging him with his 200 to 200 yard to the 160 yard. He is not even in the top 100 in on the PGA Tour um, strokes gained from that distance. So his driving is phenomenal. His short game, his wedge game and his putter is really, really good. But the the iron play is um is where he sort of comes undone. So interesting. Well, let's, well, let's put a pen line through him. And the last group, uh, teeing off at four a.m. Aussie time: Jordan Spieth, Paul Casey, and Brooks Kepka. Chances chances in that group too. Well, this will, this is the first time Brooks has played for a couple of years. So he was injured last year, and I think he missed the year before as well. Um, although, you know, Brandel Chambly has um, has lost his marbles and because um, Brooks has done something I didn't even know he actually did. So he had a photo shoot for some men's health body magazine or whatever it was, and uh, from the start of the year, just before Christmas, he was uh, a little bit vain, and he's gone and dropped like thirty pounds to be trim, taut, and terrific for this photo shoot. And uh, his game has taken a little bit of a nosedive. And then uh, Joey D down at the, uh, you know, down at the factory um, down in Jupiter, uh, they apparently had a plan to then bulk him back up again. And Brandall reckons it's reckless and it's the most um, ridiculous, you know, we'll call it um, abusive um, talent and changing your body ever. I, I guess Brandall has forgotten um, what Tiger's done for, you know, 15 odd years. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what Brooks does. Um, who else was in that group again? Uh, so it was... Um, oh, it was Jordan Spieth. Jordan, Jordan Spieth. And um, who was the other one? I've just gone blank. I, I think, well, yeah, while you're looking at that one, uh, so Jordan will be interesting because I, I actually thought that last week at 
uh, Texas, he seemed to hit a little bit of form, but his weekend was his weekend was terrible. Um, you know, I was I was really surprised about how he played on the weekend. Um, and the the young fella uh, Connor, oh, I cannot remember his last name. Um, he was he he put about six shots on Jordan in the in the torrential rain. So I, I don't know. I really I really haven't got a read on Jordan. It's like you, you know, there's a couple of podcasts and a couple of interviews when I've heard what he's talked about and what he's working on and where he's at, and he seemed to display that in in the first half of you know the Texas Open last week, but. It disappeared again, um, so I'm really not sure what Jordan is going to produce this week. Um, his form, you know, if you look at it, he's he'll find his way during the tournament, but w- whether or not he's going to be contending like late, you know, come, come the weekend, or whether or not he's just going to be shooting low scores freely and you know just you know we'll call it a, a cheaters. Cheetahs tied for fifth, you know, coming from way behind early in the morning on a Sunday. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting. The other person they're playing with, sorry, I forgot, was uh, Paul Casey. Paul Casey. Popeye. The, the other Popeye. Mm. He's actually been in really good form. You know, obviously won recently the Valspar. I don't know if uh, the course is probably not really geared for him. Um, but I don't know. You never know. Good pairing. Although, you know, if Jordan's, Jordan's having a bad day, Brooks is probably going to lose it because Jordan can be slow as well. Mm. Mate, I was very pleasantly uh, surprised to see one of my favourite golfers from yesteryear and previous Masters winner and uh, Scotsman just get pipped in a playoff in the par three competition, which... Uh, you know, he lost, Matt Wallace won, and probably Matt Wallace put a red line through his chances if the history uh, books uh, show anything about par three tournament winners. Yep, can't win it. Can't win it? No. Nah. Well, Sandy Lyle. Sam, well, what, are you, what are your thoughts on Sandy Lyle just, uh, you know, coming runner-up in the par three comp? Oh. That means he can come back next year and defend. <laughs> He can, can't he come back any time he wants and fill up these spaces that other, otherwise should be going to, um, you know, golfers of a more contemporary and, and sort of play-worthy, I don't mean that disrespectfully to Sandy Lyle and all the other greats that, that get spots in there, and I guess that's the nature of the tournament, but it is always a talking point that, you know, it's a limited field and a lot of the places are taken up by you know, previous winners of many, many, many years ago who otherwise wouldn't have qualified to play, which is a nice thing. But what, where do you sit on that? You know, would you rather see those spots going to, you know, other other players of, you know, greater standing in the current PGA Tour status level or, or how do you feel about that? Nope, leave it as it is. And, and quite simply because, you know, it, I think of it in a couple of ways. One, it's a bit of a his, history thing. Um. Two, it adds to the aura and the mystique of the event because it is hard. It's hard to get in there, right? So anyone that wins it, um, you know, the reward of being able to go and come back to there for life, the, the thing around the champions dinner, like there's, there's all these these little things that they do that just make the event just so special, you know. So you know they limit 
you know, you think of the invites. So you've got past champions, and there's it's not like there's 40, 40 past champions that are teeing it up. There's a lot that just don't play anymore. Um, so, and then you look at to get into the field. So you need to be in the top fifty. Top fifty gets you an invite. You need to have won the previous twelve months on the PGA Tour, uh, and the other invitations are uh, uh, held for players that have won majors. But some of those they just double up anyway because people that are winning majors they're probably going to be in the top fifty. Um, so that rules that out. So the the field is is always quite limited, but I still think that just adds to the whole mystique and the aura. It's it's just it just everyone just wants to play there and they know how hard it is to get there. So to celebrate people to come back, and that's the other thing, they have a celebration of their champions because it's the same course all over the, um, every year. It's just this just this wonderful celebration of, of golf. And this is why it's seriously my favourite tournament because they do so many things so well. Oh, the, the, the wall-to-wall telecast of it, you know, I'm recording so many again of all the previous Masters, you know, Scotty's 2013 final round, I've, I've recorded that. I, I know I'm going to watch that again over the weekend. You know, so it's just one of those things where I just can't get enough. And so something like players that are past champions getting to play again, they're not taking anyone's spot. They're just It's just a celebration of them as champions, really. Good Good analogy, and I'll I'll support that. And I I agree. I just thought I'd put that out there because it's something that you know goes around the, the the traps about different views and different thought processes. So no, I agree. It's um it, it is what it is, and and that's the beauty of it. And it's uh it's a good thing for for golf that we get to see and remember some of these guys that that play. And you know, in the case of like a Bernard Langer, I wouldn't be surprised if you know, come Sunday, come you know, cut time. You know he's he's on the right side of the cut line, and and maybe he's posted uh, one of the, the lower scores after you know round one, because um, he's still playing great golf, and he is he is worthy, you know, regardless of what anyone thinks about it, of his space in that tournament because um, he put he pushes these guys along, and uh, I love seeing the the, the Bernhard Langer man. He's now you have to look at Freddie. Yep. All right, Freddie. Freddie's been contending at the Masters, you know, well into his fifties, and unfortunately, this year is the final one that he's playing in. Why is that? Is that his? That's his call. That's he's his gone. Call. This is his. This is his last Masters. So I think he turns. Um, been nearly 60, would he, would he been nearly yeah, 60? Yeah, he's 59 because I remember he was 32 when he won in 1992. So, yep, so he is 59, going to turn 60. So this he's calling, he said, this is the last Masters. So um, I, I think the the length of the course and I think the walk is probably sort of going to get to him. And I'm still surprised that he's still playing golf on the Champions Tour considering – his back and stuff like that. I remember he had back issues back when he was in his 20s. Mm. So, but, you know, so that's one I'm really hoping they do show a lot and celebrate a lot this week. He's a massive fan favourite of the crowd. So even 
in the last sort of eight, ten years. He's he's been there around the weekend, so hopefully they they celebrate boom boom. Mate, let's uh, start to wrap it up. Who is your smoky? Who is your best Aussie? And who is your winner? My Smokey is also my best Aussie. That is the leash. Okay. I've got the, the He hasn't done a lot. He's, you know, I still think the match play form, he sort of struck a little bit of a vein there. So I, I think, you know, drive up Magnolia Lane, might get his senses, you know, fired up. My pick, can I have two? No, but... Yeah, you could have one the other one that you would have picked hadn't you picked someone. I I have I have the 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 head pick and the heart pick. Okay. Heart pick. The big cat. Okay. Imagine if the big cat imagine if the big cat won. Oh, oh can can you imagine the golf world? Like, please, could you is there anything that would be better than the big cat rolling in a 15-footer and fist pumps coming back again with the uh, the fake turtleneck red shirt on a Sunday. Like, please. Oh, you, you couldn't script it any better. It would be amazing. That's the heart pick. Well, Head pick. purely, well, heart pick, heart pick, let's talk about the big cat and the big tiger. Um, you know, it it would be an amazing story, and you're exactly right. It's... What that would do for the game of golf, because you know, you and I have seen what it did for you know golf in this country when he came out here, played in the um, you know the Masters and and whatever. Uh, no, what was it? The um, what did he play? Was it? He's played. played he's played in some Australian Open. Australian Open. As well. Sorry, yeah. When when he played in those tournaments. Sorry, was it the Masters that he played? What was the one at Kingston Heath? Yeah, yeah, the Masters. The Masters. Oh nine. Oh nine. That was that was where, that was where he got caught yep. out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we all know what it did for golf in this country around then and obviously globally. And, you know, he's he's a different guy now. Obviously, he's you know been through a bit and his golf's great. I don't know if I, – I just can't see it happening myself, but I'd love it. Everyone would love it. Imagine it. Also. I, I can't – you know, it's hard to imagine, but it would be, so, be fantastic if he did, put it that way. But hard hard to see it happening. The thing that will have Tiger near the top. This is this is the only thing, and this is where his confidence will will stem from, is how he's hitting his driver. That's that's it. If he's if he has confidence with his driver, everything else will flow from there because his iron play, wedge play, putting, even even degraded from where it was at his peak, he's still better than three quarters of that field. So, um, my. Head pick, I still think is Rory. That'd be another one. I think it'd be phenomenal to see Rory take it out. Um, and he's he's been the form guy. He has been the form guy. And I think him losing um, that match play to uh, tournament or that round to Tiger, you know, is probably a blessing in disguise. It might have just been that that little little spark where it's just jolted him back into. You know, what he needs to focus on um, and not get sucked into the the tiger 
tiger vortex, so to speak. So that that's that's who I picked to be um, rolling it in on on the on the seventy second hole and and raising his hands in the air come Sunday. Okay, so my smokey, as I've said before, is Henrik. I have no other strategy as to why I'm picking Henrik, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna put Henrik out there. Uh, best Aussie Cam Smith, and I am going to go with a winner. Once again, controversial. Maybe Francesco Molinari. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put my put my head and my heart on Frankie. Oh, nice. Nice. Here's, here's an opposite one. A notable to miss the cut. No. Too, many, too many to choose from. Uh, Phil. I'm going to go Phil to miss the cut. Well, I'll back that up with another lefty, Bubba. Two lefties to miss the cut? Yeah. We'll see. One of them, one, you know, leftology would have to say that one of them would get through. But, yeah, <laughs> if you're going to say a notable to miss the cut, I'm going to say Phil. Don't know what, don't, you know, maybe, maybe because, uh, you know, Phil's driving, you know, he, he, it just, sometimes it's what's let him down, you know, and kept him out of these big tournaments over the last couple of years. It's just the ability to um, keep the driver on the short stuff and, you know, he's a magician off the pine straw. You know that. Um, we've spoken about that. But, you know, if you're not going to keep it straight here, you're just not, not going to get those opportunities to play those iron shots. And, you know, he's driving along. But anyway, that's just a thought. That's my, my, my read. You can challenge me on that. So one last Phil thing. In, oh, it's another social media one. And this is the only thing I'm going to finish with is – uh. Anyone look up the Jake Owen interview with the Riggs guys when he tells the story of Phil Mickelson at Jordan Spieth's wedding the day after the Mickelson cat match in Las Vegas. That is some of the funniest storytelling. And not only that, when it was tweeted, Phil responded with, it's 100% true. So validated the story. So funny, one of the funniest stories, and Jake Owen told the story very, very well. So I encourage the listeners to go and look that one up. It's quite hilarious. Well, talking about social media, I saw something that brought a small little giggle chuckle to my to my mouth this morning. Uh, it's on the for the tour at for the tour um, Instagram page, and they had uh, Phil, Ricky. Um, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, obviously guys, you know, coming out of a hotel room, dancing, doing, you know, and those uh, superimposed images of the guys' heads, you know, wobbling around, and Tiger was in there too, you know, over the the guys who they were, and in the background in the in the uh, the bathroom, you can just see um, Patrick Reed poking his head around the corner, like, you know, what about me, guys? That was quite. Fun. Quite funny. For the tour, F-O-R-E-T-H-E-T-A-U-R. It's just one of those silly little videos that'll make you chuckle anyway. <laughs> so, mate, it's time nearly to uh, go and watch um, The Range, which is for something that on is... An, on, on an hour. For something that is just watching guys on a range and listening to guys try and commentate on what they're thinking or what they're doing... 
it's probably the worst. If you were an outsider, it's probably the worst TV you could ever watch. But as a golfer, it's Bob, it's clampered. Oh my god. <laughs> It's it's unbelievably riveting, you know. You're just watching guys hit golf balls and standing around having a chat, and you know other coaches coming up and slapping them on the back and shaking hands, and you know. But it's uh, it's almost essential viewing, I think. Well, I think so. Sean Foley does. He, he's a he's a a what's the word I'm looking for? So he's a frequent he's a frequent camera lens uh, uh, intruder. So you can see him sort of patrolling up and down the range with his slick barbershop hair, his Justin Rose sunnies, and his man bag or something on the front. Um, He's quite good, although I was quite captivated when they spent about 30 minutes watching Tiger just hit pitch shots. It was was really good. He He had like one club and just watching him hit these different shots. By just changing his stance, his life. It was just, it was actually almost like a lesson for 30 minutes on hitting shots around a green. I'm not sure if I said this story once before, but uh, stop me if I have. But when I was at uh, the Open in 16 at Troon, so I spent a bit of time on the range because I, I love watching the guys hit balls and it was quite a lot of fun because they had like a, like a long, almost like a long drive comp. You know, they had a, a, a score a scoreboard up there and when anyone was playing it told you who was on the range and the distances they were hitting and um, a couple of funny you know notable stories Kiridek Appy Barnrat trying to outdrive you know the longest drive of the day that was recorded when I was watching he was trying to outdrive Jason Day and he was just winding himself up into a frenzy and the crowd were getting behind him and he just kept trying to bust big long bomb drives but talking about you know range butterflies John Daly was there and, you know, he had his little warm, it was a warm down session. So it was the end of the day and all the other guys that were there that were there at the end of the day, he left the range and he went and said, g'day to all the players and a good percentage of the younger guys there, the um, Mateo Manassaros and that's one that I can remember, but half a dozen of these other guys all stopped, all gave him a big high five, gave him a hug, all, all wanted to get a selfie with big John Daly who just walked down the line High-fiving everyone. It was great to watch them have, uh, you know, this respect for, for John Daly on the range. We won't see John Daly this time, but uh, we will see Sean Foley, the range butterfly, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. All right, mate, so let's uh, call it there. We've made some bold predictions, given everyone a rundown of, you know, our vision and, and your Mainly your vision, mate, so I appreciate that. Let's maybe reconvene at the uh, cut time and have a quick catch-up on uh, what's happened. What do you think? Sounds like an absolute spectacular plan. All right, mate. Until then, you've been listening to Roscoe and Rocket on the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate your support and feedback. We'll speak to you soon.